Chapter Seven of the Boy Scouts in the Rockies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sargent Gagan. The Boy Scouts in the Rockies by Herbert Carter. Chapter Seven. Stephen makes a capture. Wow, it's a regular attack. Keep hold of your guns, boys, and make every bullet count, whooped the excited giraffe. Don't anybody fire a single shot without orders, roared Thad, who could never tell what such a fly up the creek as giraffe was capable of doing once he got started. The guide led the way toward the spot where Stephen still continued to shout. All the boys had seen fit to arm themselves, even Smitty, who had no gun, had seized upon the camp hatchet and imagined himself looking exceedingly warlike as he trotted along in the wake of his comrades, making violent passes in the air, as though cutting down imaginary enemies by the score. They thus came upon Stephen, and sure enough he was clinging to the back of an Indian, both arms being twisted desperately around the latter's dusky neck in a way that threatened to choke the other. Stephen may have never read about the way the old man of the sea clung to Sinbad the sailor, using both arms and legs to maintain his hold, but Thad had thought, when he had his first glimpse of the picture, that at any rate the scout was a good sticker. By then the Indian did not seem to be doing anything on his own part to ward off the attack. Indeed, he was standing there, bearing his burden with that stoical indifference peculiar to his race. There was no smile on his sober face that could be seen, but he imagined the Indian must surely appreciate the ridiculous nature of the situation. All right, Stephen Thad called out when he could make himself heard above the tremendous racket the others were putting up. You can let go of your grip, Stephen, but you won't let him get away, will you, Thad? pleaded the other earnestly. He's my engine, don't you know? I captured him all by myself. I'll just bet you now he was meaning to hook my hat. That's what brought him here to the creek. But I jumped on him and took him by surprise. Surrounded him, fellas. Well, I let him loose. My, he's a tricky one, I tell you, pretended never to fight back. But he was only watching his chance. He didn't know who had hold of him. And then I was on to his game, all right. Stop talking and let him go. You're half choking him, Stephen ordered the patrol leader. And knowing that he had meant business when he uses his official tones, Stephen suddenly released his clutch and jumped back, just as he really expected to his late captive to whirl and attack him. But nothing of the kind occurred. In fact, the Indian continued to show the utmost indifference to the fact that a ring of eager faces surrounded him, and that the guns of various makes and kinds were thrust out at him, until the circle seemed to fairly bristle with a warlike atmosphere. That saw the Indian raise his right hand, holding a palm toward them, and keeping the thumb flat at the same time. That's a peace sign, muttered Toby Smathers. He ain't looking for trouble, I reckons, boy. Huh, he better not, grunted Graff, who had been amusing himself meanwhile, and raising and lowering the hammer of his heavy rifle, as though he must have something going on in order to work off his nervousness. Why, we could eat him alive and not half try. Ten to one is mighty heavy odds, let me tell you. And no wonder he holds out the white flag. Uh, it's easy to surrender when you ain't got a show, but I go slow about trusting him, Thad. These here engines I've heard are a treacherous lot. Take em as a whole. Keep still, giraffe, said the scoutmaster sternly. Let me do the talking. And the tall scout became mute, for the time being at least, 
though it was hard to keep him any length of time in that condition. Dad had already made a discovery. The moonlight fell upon the Indian, who now stood there with his arms folded. His whole attitude one of studied indifference, and it struck the patrol leader that there was something very familiar about him. Alan, isn't he the young brave we saw hovering around our camp before, and who wouldn't stop to be questioned, he asked, turning to the main boy. Why, I was just thinking that myself when you spoke, Thad, came the ready answer. I wonder now why he keeps on hanging after us, the scoutmaster remarked, and I'm going to ask him first of all. With that, he turned to the prisoner and went on to say, Can you understand? Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, can speak some. Same, all right, came the Indian, a pretty fair English. Well, we want to know why you are hanging about our cabin so much. Once before we saw you and tried to talk with you, but you moved off. Now, away up here in the mountains, you come again, sneaking around and taking chances of being shot for a prowling wolf. Tell us why you did this. I don't believe you meant to steal anything because you've made no attempt to creep into the camp, and we want to know just why you hang around this way. May come back more, two, three times. Look at Teepee. Seen fine picture there. Never seen like before. My goodness. Perhaps sell same. Bimby, well, when I go back, what under the roof does he mean by that talk, Thad? Sure, we ain't in the picture-selling business, even if I'm taking some dandy snapshots. I wonder now, has he seen me at work? Does he think I'm a traveling photographer man and wants me to strike him off in his war paint and feathers? Davy Jones managed to say all this, but no one was paying much attention to his remark. Tell you what, fellers, broke in the irrepressible giraffe just then. He's taken a shine to our tanks and wants to buy one when we're done with it. He knows a good thing when he sees it, he does. Just that we let him go for a song when they're crampful of associations for us. You're not on to it yet, boys, remarked Thad, quietly. It's ahead of the fox which we had painted so cleverly on each tent that caught his eye, and he just can't help hanging around to keep on gazing at it, for some reason or another. For the first time they saw a sign of emotion across the face of the young Indian brave. He struck himself violently on the chest. Me, Fox, he exclaimed proudly. Soon me must have teepee for self. See picture on the same. Think and buy. Give much pulse for same. What, what would the white boys say? Well, just to think of it, here's another Fox, all right, called out draft. We're treading on teal, so to speak, boys, when we take that name for our patrol. Glad to meet up with you, and by the way, are you Silver Fox, Red Fox, or a black fox. Though I should be sure they all belong to one family. Oh, I thought I know him, burst out Alex Roston, pushing forward. And now I'm dead sure of it. Hello, fox. You sure must remember me, Alec, and the good times we used to have when I lived close to the reservation. The young Indian extended his hand without hesitation. No forget, Alex, not much. But him not with other white boys down in Big Timber, where might come by. How do? Much glad to see you again. My coyote pony flicker yet in the run, ugh. He means the pony I gave him when we came away from that place, explained Alex, turning to Thad after gravely shaking hands with the Indian. Fox is a crow and one of the smartest boys you'll ever saw. He can do everything that a grown warrior could, and some day they say he'll be a chief in his tribe. We used to have great times racing our ponies and chasing coyotes over the prairie, and I'm glad to see him once more though it puzzles me to know why he is up here, so far away from the homes of his people, and armed, too. Well, if he's an old friend of yours, Alec, 
and you can vouch for him why of course he's going to be welcomed at our fire and it tickles me to think that this bright painting of a fox head on each of our tents was what attracted his eye so that he just couldn't keep from hanging around at that other time but surely that didn't draw him up here he's got some other business in his head for he only discovered our camp just now and was coming in to see us i reckon when stephen mounted his back and then called to us to help him anyway i had him grim grip and tight you all saw grumbled stephen when these good husky arms of mine get locked around anything it takes a heap to break me away if he had been a hostile engine i'd hung on like a grim death believe me no one ventured to take away any of his laurels he had certainly yelled for help in a way that could not be easily excelled they all thought that led the way to the fire after inviting the indian to join them he confessed to having just a little curiosity himself as to what had caused the fox to desert the tepees of his tribe and to wander so far from the reservation but of course thad knew better than to ask about personal affairs of others if the fox chose later on to take them into his confidence well and good he might only stay with them for a night and then slip away but since he was alec's friend and seemed to be connected with the great family of the foxes which they were a boy scout branch why he would be welcome as the indian confessed that he had not broken his fast since noon when he had munched a handful of dried deer meat known as pemmican some of the boys took it upon themselves to cook something for him he appeared to be very grateful and could be seen sniffing the air eagerly when the coffee was boiling showing that he appreciated the white man's drink at its true value for his people on the reservation enjoyed many of the comforts of civilization and some of the luxuries too even to pianos that played themselves and boxes that sang songs and played the violin and gave all sorts of orchestral music so alec observed and as the boys talked on various subjects as they sat around that happened to be watching the face of the fox when one of the scouts casually mentioned the name of colonel cracker he actually saw the dark face grow stern and that the indian grinded his teeth as if in anger seeing which thad put things together and came to the conclusion whether right or wrong of course he could not say he knows cracker for he started when davy mentioned his name thad was saying to himself and chances are that the prospector has done something to injure the fox or some member of his family these indians hate savagely and perhaps this young fellow hardly more than a boy has taken to the warpath bent on the settlement with the big bully well it isn't any of our business but i know i hate to have the fox camping on my trail with hatred burning in his heart end of chapter seven recording by kenneth sergeant gagan